Truth Jihad Radio is your home for great conversations with independent thinkers. I'm Kevin Barrett. Please subscribe to this show. Go to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack link. Welcome back. This is the second hour of tonight's Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, bringing on folks who tell it the way they see it. First hour, we were unable to reach Eric Zeus. We'll have to work on his phone and Skype connections uh, before we bring him back on. But that was a good conversation with Michael Brenner. Let's move on now to some even more great esoteric stuff. It's been a while since I had Joachim Hagopian on this show. He's a very interesting thinker and author. He's a West Point graduate, former U.S. Army officer, and he's the author of a 52-chapter series on pedophilia and empire, which you can find on Amazon, chapter by chapter. He also publishes on the web. I found his new article, Today's Shifting Balance of Power, Elite's Endgame Dystopian Nightmare, It's Winners and Losers, by way of Jim Fetzer's blog, and it's probably some other places as well. And it's it's wild and wonderful stuff. So I think we have him on. Let's try and talk about it. Hey, welcome, uh, Joaquin Hagopian. How are you? Hey, Kevin. It's good to be back talking to you again. Hey, great to have you back. (laughs) I think it's almost five years now since we last spoke. (laughs) Seems like a long time. Yeah, that was back in sort of the Charlie Hebdo era. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You contributed to one of my books uh, in that False Flag Terror series. And, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so and now were you were you in Bali back then? Yeah, I've been here for 7 years now. <laughs> wow, cool. It must be uh too nice to come back from, huh? Oh yeah, this is my permanent residence. Uh, cool. I'm, yeah. It, it's it's really great here. I I love being here. Well, yeah, sometimes you I know, wish I, I were out of the USA <laughs> right now. Yeah, I think a lot of Americans feel that way right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know with the way they're doing the uh, the, the propaganda around this Ukraine thing, it's it's kind of uh, hideous to be you know stuck in the belly of the beast where the entire media is that extreme. I mean, the, the whole media is horrible anyway. But you know, your your recent article and and a lot of your work would suggest that you can't really escape. Like even if I were to flee the borders of the United States. Everywhere you go, it's still the belly of the beast because it's it's a planetary problem. You talk about the planet overlords uh, who for eons have retained their centralized control and power over the population. And and you've you know, you presented in this article and elsewhere kind of a what some might call a David Ikean kind of view of bloodlines uh, going back uh, for a very, very long time of these elites that totally control everything. Uh, so. So. In that case, leaving the U.S. wouldn't really help me very much, would it? You can run, but you cannot hide, as they say. Um, no, I mean, they've used technology against us, and they can track us uh, pretty much uh, no matter where we are on this earth. Right. Yeah, and they, they probably listen to our Skype calls, too. Although I understand Skype is actually not really designed to be spied on, which... You know, it's harder to, to spy on people through Skype than other systems. So that's one of the reasons that Microsoft Microsoft bought Skype and is intentionally trying to run it into the ground and end it, get rid of it, so they can force people onto these other platforms that were designed with spying in mind. 
That's a surprise coming from Gates' Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and it's not just Gates and Microsoft, but it's it's the whole Internet, uh, the, all the oligarchs who've built their fortunes on spying on people and selling data to uh, commercial operations, mostly, although governments can get it, too. And so they've they've built platforms like Facebook and Twitter and uh, and YouTube and so on, all designed to make it really easy to follow everything that you do. And then they can try to sell you stuff. They can sell your data to corporations and try to sell you stuff. And Skype apparently was designed before that era. So mm. the Microsoft is trying to destroy it. And this is probably one reason I wasn't able to get a hold of Eric Zeus in the first hour, because here at Revolution Radio, we're still working on Skype. And there are all more and more glitches. And ever since Bill Gates took it over, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. But here we are. We're able to talk. Uh, you're over in Bali, and I'm in Wisconsin, USA. So I guess I shouldn't complain too much. So, so <laughs> get, oh, get, yeah. the miracle of modern technology. I marvel all the time about it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're right, though, may, do you think the elites have had advanced communications technology for uh, for much longer than we have? Well, I, you know, I mean, the elites have all this technology that they withhold from humanity. I mean, they. they Supposedly, we're like 50 years behind what we think they have, you know? I mean, uh, it's incredible what, you know, the, the whole uh, free energy, you know, the anti-gravity technology. I mean, there's so much. They're all, they have cures for all the diseases. But, you know, they want us, not only have they wanted us sick for many, many years now through the Rockefeller Foundation and the rest, uh, taking over the medical establishment, but they now want us dead. And, and that's what I'm almost exclusively writing about is this genocide, human genocide. I mean, we never thought it would come to this at this early stage. Yeah, I mean, I never, I never dreamed that it would happen so soon. It was a gradual process, but really with the pandemic rollout, they're going for, for the jugular now on humanity. Very clear. And so they want us dead. I mean, there have always been Malthusians who fervently mm-hmm. believed that the planet could only support half half a billion people or something like that. And we're you know, we're now you know heading for 10 billion, at, you know, way past the cutoff point. And those people have they've always been around. So what happened? Do you think that they managed to convince uh, a larger group? And if so. They didn't really do that much with COVID, did they? Yeah, sure. They culled some of the useless eaters, uh, people my age uh, or a little older, the baby boomers, who you know are a huge demographic bulge, who are gobbling up resources and not producing anything. You know, they're these uh, basically uh, parasites who are destroying the Western economies, making it impossible for the West to keep up with China and stay in power. So apparently, COVID was very useful in that respect. Because it did disproportionately target the older folks and the infirm, the useless eaters, but it, you know, so it killed, they say, a million Americans. I don't know how much of a dent that's going to make in the overall population of the planet, which continues to increase by leaps and bounds, and is increasing fastest in certain other places. I think Sub-Saharan Africa has the world record right now. But anyway, if they if they're trying to radically reduce population, they haven't really done a very good job yet, have they? Well, they got 
they got a whole arsenal of weapons of mass destruction that they're currently throwing at us. Yes, they realized that the pandemic was limited because the people finally started catching on about how it was a hoax to begin with, and then how, of course, the non-vaccines are killing people. So once that got out, a lot of people that got their first and second shots didn't go out and get the third and the booster and all of that. So they knew that there was a limit to what they could do with the pandemic. However, what? You know, it's like right on cue, monkeypox suddenly is here. Oh, no. Is, that, so the, is the monkeypox going to do it? <laughs> well, they just had the first diagnosis in uh, Massachusetts and then another diagnosis now in New York City. And, uh, and so there's like 70-something cases worldwide and and so that that's, it appears to be that's going to be the next rollout. I mean, we have Gates and Fauci who've been promising one after the other, oh, this is going to happen and this one's going to happen. And, you know, the, the hemorrhagic Ebola, uh, now they've had uh, conditions with hepatitis in children and, you know, on and on. I mean, they, look how many biolabs they got around the world, something up to 400, I think is the last count. And over three dozen in Ukraine alone. Uh, mm. So they've been working on this. You know, U.S. Department of Defense, DARPA, uh, and Fauci and company. Uh, they got biolabs all over the world. And so, yeah, they're not done with the whole pandemic thing to kill us off. But in the meantime, they've realized, okay, we need to step it up and, and roll out this genocide agenda. And so now it's including, quote, the perfect storm of one huge tidal wave crisis after the next. No, not even after the next. Simultaneously converging so that people are going to be starving. I mean, the shelves on the grocery stores are going to be empty. Uh, probably some are already starting to become more sparse. Uh, and and it's, I think by the fall and into the winter, we're going to see, basically, we're going to see food gangs running around trying to eat and uh, kill for food. Uh, it's going to get really, really bad. Um, and, I, and I'm not an alarmist. I, I'm a realist. Uh, I see where they're taking this. And then, of course, we have the uh, situation where we can be nuclear annihilated at any moment, too. Uh, we have, you know, I, I never see things in terms of the, the nations anymore. It, it goes far beyond that. There, as, as you alluded to, there is an elite that's behind everything we see. And so when we uh, see that the, quote, West is provoking the bear of Russia into retaliating, um, and the start of World War III, and, you know, the two top nuclear powers of the world head-to-head, uh, you know, that, that seems to be where they're heading to. Uh, so it's like one huge convergence of nightmare after nightmare all hitting at the same time. That's how I'm seeing it. And the, the, really the end game is the elite 
is purposely out to destroy the middle classes of the most affluent three continents on this globe. They are, of course, North America, Europe, and Australia, and New Zealand. Uh, primarily, those are the targets that will be taking the biggest hit in population. Uh, so, I mean, whether it's you know, the, the famine and, and starvation uh, or the war, World War III, um, you know, but I see, uh, and then, you know, you can look at other sources too. There's a West Point graduate, class of 1960, uh, Edwin A. Deagle. He just died last year. And, so was uh, he a classmate of yours? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm about a decade later. Uh, <laughs> But uh, anyway, he has he had a website, Google.com. Quite a few people are, are familiar with this site. They used to have a rundown. It's a okay. It's a military-industrial complex weaponry trade site. Really, that's what it is. Uh, and and they're in the business of putting their their wares out there on this website. Uh, for show and tell, and uh, no doubt for business, obviously. And uh, they had a feature on this Deagle.com, C-E-A-G-E-L.com, uh, where they would predict the uh, population of all the countries, each country, uh, in 2025. And the last one before they took it off, because it created such a lot of people were going to it and going, what, what is this all about? Uh, but they, the current population stands in America at around 331, 332 million people. The 2025 Deagle prediction for American people is 65 million. That's a huge drop, obviously, of over 80%. So they're basically saying, that within two and a half years, we are going to see four out of five Americans currently in America, no longer in America, either having moved to another country or dead. And when you get those kind of statistics out there by a it, it's, uh, Deagle guy, he did a military career, I think 12 years, and then went on and uh, was a member of the Rockefeller Foundation for a whole bunch more years before he then got into government and intelligence and diplomatic services and ended up with Hughes Helicopter Corporation. Uh, so this guy was an insider and he had all the spooks that he was, uh, you know, colleagues with. And, uh, and they came up with this website uh, military industrial complex, and, and so they know all, all the weapons and they have all the think tanks and all the spooks out there to input their data. And they came up with this uh, four out of five Americans will not be alive or in America in two and a half years. That's pretty stunning and startling and pretty scary. And, uh, and it's a fairly reputable source. Uh, and, and then you well, it's interesting. Together... They, they published it and they pulled it, and nobody from Deagle has ever discussed it. And I, I'm trying to figure out, like, is this Deagle organization still 
around? I mean, is is there a place you can contact them? It always well, looked really dicey to me. Yeah. Well, you they still on. I mean, you can go deagle.com and go onto the website, but as far as that feature, no, they deleted that. Um, so they're they're still around, and and you know, but I I obviously they they keep a much lower profile because they get their uh, controversial stunning crap that they put out there. So, um, you know, and then I put together the, the movement of this convergence of the perfect storm of all kinds of uh, death throws that they're going to be throwing at us. Uh, and it, and it kind of all comes together. Uh, uh, well, you know, yeah, you, can come, I, you can come up with a conspiracy theory about why they would publish that very alarming number about the uh, rapid, massively diminished U.S. population. Like, you wouldn't think they would just put it out there for no particular reason, except that it's true. They have, they know that it's coming. Like, why would they bother to publish it if that were the case? On the other hand, if they were trying to accomplish something by publishing that number, what might they be trying to accomplish? Well, maybe they're trying to scare all the uh, conspiracy theorists into leaving the United States, making the U.S. <laughs> much easier to govern. <laughs> so well, maybe the population will be reduced, but it'll be reduced by like 0.5%. It'll all be people like us who leave. Well, I, I think their genocide agenda takes priority over that. Yeah, but, but you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, what, why would they publish? Like, oh, let's say that somehow they know that this is actually going to happen. Well, why would they just publish it and put it on their public website? I don't know. I I, I think that they. I don't, I I can't explain that. I mean, I I think that they're. Uh, it's probably true. And then if the motivation, okay, let's say it's not true, then why would they do it? Um, you know, maybe just to scare people. I mean, obviously the agenda of the cabal is to keep us scared because when populations are afraid, uh, they're much more easily controlled. Bingo. Uh, that, that's actually a, a plausible explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, they're not actually trying to get us out of the country. They're just trying to terrorize us enough that we have a little more adrenaline in our body so we can't think straight. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously with mass formation psychosis going on, uh, I mean, I, I've never seen the world so well, particularly those uh, in, in uh, power, in the media. I mean, it, it's all, especially the mainstream media, obviously, I mean, it's all total lies. I mean, everything is crazy, upside down. Uh, it, nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, you know, so, and, and obviously, you know, they've been working on, on depopulation for, for a long time. Uh, eugenicists, I mean, you know, Prince Philip, he's been a eugenicist for a long time. Of course, he's gone now. Uh, there's debate on whether the queen's still alive. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I wrote uh, these uh, books on pedophilia and empire, Satan, sodomy, and the deep state. And uh, I wrote several chapters. You, you know, I mean, you can't talk about all this unless you talk about the, the bloodlines that are actually behind everything. We're talking about all the wars they control. They start the wars. They end the wars. They fund both sides to every single war. And this has been going on since basically the Rothschild would be uh, 
whole uh, Napoleonic Wars back in the early 1800s. So it's, it's now over two centuries that they have controlled every side to every major war that's occurred on this planet for over two centuries. Uh, and and you, you can go back and, and go to every single war and see how they have financed both sides, the, the opposition enemy, they, they financed the Bolshevik Revolution, they financed Hitler, uh, they financed Mao, uh, you know, all of these, quote, communist regimes that have killed the most people, democide, the government killing the most people. Uh, and, and it seems as though that's where we are headed now, where our heads are on the chopping block. So do you think they're financing both sides with this conflict with Russia? You know, I, I have thrown it out there that I think that Putin and Xi Jinping are controlled opposition. Uh, I'm not totally convinced because it seems like people like Soros and the Rothschilds have been actually gone public uh, chastising both of them. Now, that might be, you know, just part of the whole uh, theatrics of it, too, uh, to fool people. But, yeah, I think uh, I've posited uh, evidence that basically the the city of London, the Rothschild banking cartel uh, that owns their, the king of the Jews and they own Israel. Uh, and I, I, I know that they have been making a rather quiet alliance with both Xi in China and Putin in Russia. Uh, and this has been over the course of the last uh, 20 years or so that they've been working on this uh, alliance with those two countries, while at the same time continually uh, backstabbing their cash cow America, you know, uh, Israel. I'm speaking primarily of. Um, which, yeah, which and I, I, I would actually, I, I would question that. I mean, it, it kind of looks. I can see why why you know you would say that, and it's it's true to a certain extent that there's been some backstabbing and like with 9-11 and the 9-11 wars that was obviously much better for israel than it was for the u.s empire even though it was supposedly about the uh, new american century but we all know it was really about israel so yeah that's i guess that's a stab in the back when they blew up the trade center but on the other hand they uh it's these neocons have an ideology that tells them that you know, the interests of the U.S. and Israel are essentially identical. And if you peel it back a little bit, what you find, according to Lauren Guyano, and I think he's got a good case, is that the neocons have determined that even when they were Trotskyites, they quit being Trotskyites because they realized that Israel wouldn't survive if the U.S. empire didn't survive and protect it. So they switched and became uh, hardcore U.S. imperialists. And the main purpose of building up U.S. imperial power for them was to protect Israel. So that's been their ideology. And that's why when they write their manifestos, you know, one of them uh, is the Clean Break Manifesto, uh, which was published in 1996, I think. Uh, same people that would later do the Project for a New American Centuries Rebuilding American Defenses Manifesto in 2000. In the first case, 
they claimed that it was all about Israel. They were going to wipe the map clean in the Middle East and rebuild everything to make it safe for Israel. And then the second uh, one, Rebuilding America's Defenses, in 2000 was presented as if that were for a new American century, right? This is all about keeping the U.S. empire in charge. We're going to have to radically increase military spending and go wage preemptive wars and uh, so on and so forth, all for the U.S. empire. But they, I think they believe that it's pretty much the same. They're basically psychotic extreme Zionists, and they do think that having the U.S. empire big and mean and totally dominating the world is what's going to save Israel. So that's why they're the biggest hawks. That's why they were Team B under H.W. Bush. That's why they were pushing for these huge military budget increases that they got with 9-11. And that's why they created this war with Russia. Uh, and so I, I, in terms of stabs in the back and stuff, I don't know. I mean, I, it looks to me more like the Zionists keep their doors open and, and they keep negotiating and cutting whatever deals that they think they can profit from with Russia and China. But at the same time, ultimately, they think that their future depends on U.S. power dominating the world. And so that's why when push comes to shove, they're on board with this current war on the world on behalf of what we might call the Anglo-Zionist empire. Well, I maintain that they're going for the Western world to crash and collapse, and that they have made these secret deals with the Belt and Road China and the Smart Cities program, uh, and that in that way, through building the infrastructure through the old Silk Road all the way up to Middle East and Europe, that they will end up becoming the sole economic and military powers. I mean, they got the uh, China as the world's largest manufacturing base, and they have Russia, as, along with Africa, uh, as the world's most well-endowed natural resource base. And then they got Jerusalem as their world, one world government capital. Uh, and then there's actually a, a Cloverleaf map. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but I can't even remember the, the guy's name, but he was a cartographer and, and a theologian back in the, uh, I think the 1600s. And, and he said that the, the three uh, continents that are going to be of prominence are uh, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And, and he basically even singled out Jerusalem as the world capital in the future. And, uh, and I, I kind of see that they're, they're going to, they're destroying the West. I mean, look at what all the sanctions are doing. They're building up Russia. The ruble is more valuable now than any other currency out there on the world. But are you and, sure this is the plan? This isn't just uh, kind of incompetence and short-sightedness like the first hour guest Michael Brenner said? No, I, I think they, they are, are willfully destroying the West. They, they are making choices because, like I say, I believe that they have made deals with Russia and China and, uh, and, and they're going to end up the world one world government capital. I, I think that uh, they're, they're ditching America as far as uh, 
the big military, because they got, I mean, if you, if you put together China and, and Russia, military prowess, it outweighs the West. Uh, they've developed their, their nuclear power uh, where we, ours is outdated. Uh, they have the hypersonic weaponry that the West does not have currently. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, this is how, how I see it. They're basically throwing the West under the bus and uh, have already made their secret deals with Russia and China. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that's my theory. And I think there's something to back up uh, the theory that's in process right now. Yeah, well, I, I have friends who think along those lines as well. Uh, it doesn't look like that to me, though, for a number of reasons. And one is that the Zionists, and of course, there are a lot of different kinds of Zionists out there. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think there's a group of, of you know, they're hardcore Likudnik Zionists who are basically just fanatical Israeli nationalists who would like to just conquer the world for Israel and, you know, rule it from the temple, re, the rebuilt temple. And, so, and then there are the, the ones who are totally, you know, fanatically religious about it. You know, the the, uh, uh, the followers of, of the uh, Rabbi Schneerson and so on. Uh, and then there are the extreme atheists uh, who are you know, the dominant founders of Israel were atheists, Ben-Gurion and, and people like that. Yeah. And, and then, there, of course, there are Satanists. There are those in those cults founded around Shabtai Zvi and the Sabbateans. Uh, and mm -hmm. so there are all of these different types of Zionists out there. And then there are the Christian Zionists of different flavors. And then there are the liberal Zionists, the sort of pro-Israel, like liberal, secular humanist, progressivist, materialists, whatever. There's all these different types of Zionists out there. But it does seem to me that the, the sort of dominant power uh, on the planet right now still is the Western oligarchy. And the Western oligarchy is not it's it's probably, you know, disproportionately Jewish. Right. Jews are like one or two percent of the population. They're probably like maybe 30, 40 percent, maybe a little more even. Who knows of the oligarchy? Uh, and they connect with each other. So they have disproportionate power, whatever percentage they are. So they're a big factor there in that Western oligarchy. But that Western oligarchy is uh, is what's trying to take over the world. And they basically are like any bureaucracy. They just want to maximize their own power and pleasure and profit and so on. And their ideology is liberal for the dominant ideology among these people is, is liberal, progressivist, secular, humanist, blah, 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 which is what they promote for the, the masses and through the you know educated types. But ultimately, their what liberalism for the elite is it means freedom, right? Liberalism is a political philosophy that holds up freedom uh, of the individual as the highest value. And so what are these people really about? They're about the maximum freedom for oligarchs like themselves, for billionaires, for super rich people to be able to do any darn thing they want with their money and to hell with the rest of society and to hell with moral laws and, and even actual laws. They feel they're above the law. And so they, they want their money to be able to buy everything and make them supermen. That's their real ideology. And then they want to take over the whole world so the world can be under them. Right. And the problem with Russia and China is that Russia, to some extent, and, and to a greater extent now than just a few months ago, and China, to a much greater extent, have got their oligarchs under control. 
in Russia, Putin, uh, way back 20 years ago, grabbed these oligarchs, threw them in prison and told the ones that he hadn't killed or imprisoned, uh, stay out of politics. Yeah, you can make money and we'll cut some deals, but you're not messing with politics anymore. You're not running anything anymore. The oligarchs in the West run everything. And over in China, the oligarchs have even less power. Yeah, they're rich Chinese, but they get out of line a little bit and it's, oh, corruption. Boom, they're gone. You know, they'll, they'll be executed for corruption. Uh, so the Chinese and the Russians keep their oligarchs under control. And that's why we're seeing this fanatical, rabid war by the Western oligarchy against Russia and China. And of course, Iran does the same kind of thing. Uh, Russia, China and Iran are all trying to run tr somewhat traditional societies, especially uh, Iran and Russia, uh, with a collective kind of aspect to it in which the all, you know, it's, they're trying to run those societies for the benefit of the majority of people. And that means keeping the oligarchs under control. So the ideology of freedom or liberalism that the oligarchs exploit to mean Marquis de Sade style liberalism, uh, where for oligarchs who can do any darn thing they want, that doesn't work in Russia, China and Iran. And that's the ideological clash. And then the, great, the actual power clash is that the West, which is run by this, these liberal oligarchs, is right now about to wage a preemptive war on the uh, less controlled part of the world, Russia, China, Iran, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that, that's kind of how I see it. So I, I don't think that, you know, this Zionist reptilian or whatever kind of cabal has cut some kind of deal with Russia and China. I just don't see the evidence for that. Well, I think it's there. Uh, now, it's been low-key, but you, you don't see it in the mainstream, obviously. But there, there have been plenty of articles, and, I, and I've written uh, extensively. Back in February, I was writing uh, several articles back-to-back. -back, but I've also it's been in my articles uh, throughout this, basically, this year. Uh, and the way I look at it is, is that... Uh, Power attracts power, and yes, I do believe that there are going to be, uh, you know, these, these, these people that are megalomaniacal, uh, power-hungry, uh, you know, cabalists, uh, I think that they're going to crash and burn at some point. However, I think that they uh, have this idea that they will take over the world with, like I said, their uh, belt and road. That, that involves, you know, the Middle East and Africa, and they're going to utilize Russia and uh, Africa, natural resources, Asia, uh, and then the manufacturing base in China. Uh, because I think that, you know, you look at why, why was the shot, the death jab, given to America as a mandate, uh, and yet the Russian and Chinese army uh, militaries are, are were not subjected to the same uh, mandate. Uh, they have downgraded the capacity of the United States to even defend its own national security. Uh, I think it's Thomas Renz, that, uh, the attorney, that uh, reported that uh, the Department of Defense statistics uh, have come up with a death rate of 1,100% of military personnel are dying at a, an 1,100% increased rate uh, just since the jab was mandated for them. Uh, 
Um, yeah, so, I've, I've looked into the debate about that, and it's it's interesting. It's it's not really clear how big this uh, excess death is. You know, they they claim that they just change the way they count, but uh, it's it it looks like it's it's very it's suspicious, but it's not it's not obvious. See, okay, here in the United States, I think was eighty five percent or something of the people got at least one COVID shot, and like. You know, 80 almost got two and like 75 or 70 got three and like 60 got four or something like that. That's it. That, that Those are roughly the kinds of numbers I recall. And then those numbers might be a little lower in other places in you know, Russia and, and China and Korea and here and there and elsewhere. But I'm not sure they're all that super different. The types of vaccines may be different. There's Sinovac, which is different from the mRNA vaccines. But in any case, huge numbers of people have gotten these shots and the estimates i don't believe i don't believe you can follow the numbers i think those numbers are are, are, there's so much fakery out there you know yeah i mean it's really hard to know when they say that most of the americans have gotten shot i'm not totally convinced of that uh i think it's probably upwards of close to 50 percent of americans have not actually gotten any shots uh, you know, but anyway, yeah. You, so, you so yeah, always, how, how how would you figure that out? Like, would you, if you took a, a well, pull, well, we just know we just know that their agenda is to get everybody a jab, and so they're going to raise the numbers because you know if they if they can convince the people that well every, everybody's getting it, you know, it's like follow follow the crowd kind of. Right, thing. but the problem though is that if they raise the numbers too high then they think they've succeeded when they haven't, right? If the numbers tell them that they've jabbed 90% and they've really only jabbed 50%, you know, they're going to quit or else they're going to say, well, we only have 10% left to jab. Well, and also, you know, the statistics come out of the honest scientists that actually are, are you know, making it clear that they are damaging uh, the health of, of many people who have taken them. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's, uh, there's an agenda, basically, to uh, to kill off the population. Pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I I had Kevin Galilee on the show a while back, and, and he thinks there's been a pretty nasty depopulation campaign going on since World War II. And he claims that's why there's fluoride in the water. That's why there are uh, a- anti-fertility uh, microplastic compounds deliberately added to plastic packaging and so on. And, uh, you know, he's, he says that the, uh, I, I think the EMF uh, is, is tweaked to, to make it toxic. All sorts of things are being deliberately uh, used to decrease fertility and to uh, worsen uh, overall health. It sounds like a paranoid view, but he seems to have some evidence for it. And he argues it fairly well. And it does actually make a certain amount of sense because if you look at the history of the eugenics movement funded by the Rockefellers and a lot of very powerful people, suddenly eugenics got a bad name after World War II publicly. And so they couldn't come out and admit they were what they were doing or what they wanted to do. But it's clear that they still wanted uh, to do that. And, and Galilee says that after World War II, it became clear that the increasing populations in industrialized countries would lead to war as long as they were still sovereign and having natural population increase, they would fight for resources. Germany would need Lebensraum, so it would decide to go east and steal the Ukrainian farmland from the Russians and so on and so forth. And, of course, they would all compete for colonies. So these oligarchs after World War II got together 
uh, the international groups that became the New World Order, and they said, you know, we're going to make these secret agreements to try to limit populations. We're going to push back against population first here in this way and there in that way. So they've gone to third world countries and dosed them up with uh, sterilizing compounds in their vaccines and, and elsewhere. And they've uh, hit the developed world, according to, this is all according to Galilee, with all of these uh, toxins uh, designed to lower fertility. And lo and behold, uh, sperm counts today are about one third of what they were in 1950 here in the U.S. Uh, fertility is way, way down. And Galilee says that's why we have lower birth rates. He says there aren't lower birth rates because, you know, we're told that people don't want to have kids. They want to be selfish and so on and so forth. Well, they got into that mindset because they're just less fertile and they are having, they're less likely to conceive. Uh, so anyway, he, he made a very interesting argument and it wouldn't surprise me if there are uh, people like that with a serious depopulation agenda. Now, whether the COVID shots are part of that, I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll see. It looks like so far that the worst case scenario is that a few hundred thousand Americans may have died from these jabs. That's a lot of people, but that's not really enough to put much of a dent in population. But you're suggesting that it could kind of just keep snowballing, right? Well, yeah. I mean, they've, they've been poisoning the environment forever. You know, I mean, for the last hundred years, obviously, you know, post-industrial revolution has been constant. And they, they've, uh, I mean, you know, look at Monsanto and GMO and, and glyphosate and, and Roundup and all the damage that's doing. Look at all the geoengineering with the aluminum and the barium being taken in by humans into the lungs and the brain and dumbing us down with the fluoride. I mean, you know, it's on and on and on and on. Uh, it's pretty, and, and they would make zero effort basically to clean it up when they have the resources, obviously, to do that. But they, they made their decision. They want to keep. I, I believe that they've, they've, there's been eugenics that have been in power for a long, long time. Before it was like the slow death. You know, they want to make people sick, you know, and the big pharma just smother symptoms. They don't cure. So they keep people sick, uh, you know, and it gives them high profits, obviously. And this is all Rockefeller you know, introduced and controlled uh, for 100 years now. Um, but the agenda now is the rapid depopulation, and uh, and they're coming at us from every angle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, a scary proposition to think that uh, between the potential nuclear war and, and then mass starvation when people can't go to buy food, with the hyperinflation kicking in and the and the, the basically all the shortages, uh, it's all been done in a very calculated, methodical. They plan everything years in advance. I mean, the pandemic itself comes from the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, you know, uh, what uh, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it was made it was put out in 2010. And it's become the playbook of, of the pandemic. And then you have the event 201 that that uh, the World Economic Forum and Gates Foundation were engaging in this uh, live exercise at the same time that they uh, introduced 5G into Wuhan and the people with the videos, uh, you know, the people dropping dead there. And then, uh, you know, went to Milan and Italy and then New York and, you know, 
And right now it's the monkeypox that's being spread immediately all over the world, you know. And, you know, so yeah, they got their agenda to depopulate uh, in a huge way. And, and I see it as they realize that people are getting pissed because they're realizing the truth about a handful. We outnumber them a million to one. And there's a handful of people, we're saying probably 30,000 or something like this, that are a part of the bloodline power structure on the earth. And, and it's a clear, they want us dead. And the people, the masses, are finally grasping this with the reality and uh, not to mention how pedophilia has come out, and, and I, I hope inform and educate the populace about that. When I started it back in April 2017 at the suggestion of Jim Fesser, and then two months later, Robert David Steele came along, uh, you know, rest in peace. Uh, but uh, they both came to me and said, you need to write this, because I've been writing a lot of on the pizza gate and all that. But nothing will anger a person more than knowing what the elite is doing uh, with their uh, global network of, of child sex trafficking and all that. So yeah, they, anyway, they seem to use it for blackmail purposes, among other things. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. That, well, that's the, that's the primary reason, you know, Mossad and the, and the you know, military intelligence of Israel with Maxwell and Epstein, all, all of that, yeah. Um, but my point is that the world population is gradually, we're, we're reaching critical mass where we know these people are out to kill us. And so we have to neutralize them before the whole human race is extinct because they obviously they're going for DNA altered cyborgs, you know? Uh, and I also have information that they have quantum computers, AI control, where one of the big reasons of, of the uh, jab is, of course, the graphene oxide and the nanoparticle technology. Uh, geoengineering is also one of the uh, sectors in which they're releasing so much toxins that are also electrical conductors. And so they're going for mass mind control at the same time as depopulation. So they want a cyborg hybrid, no longer humid, and uh, down to a half a billion per the Georgia Guidestone, and uh, much more easily controlled because they're all brainwashed and mind controlled. Uh, this is what they want. You know, that, that's their peon class that serves them. Uh, and then, of course, they got robotics and all the rest um, in their transhuman agenda. And, uh, and they, they have no more need, just like, you know, useless eaters and, and uh, Kissinger, you know. Uh, they have no, no more need for humans. And so we are being uh, methodically removed from the earth unless we stand up and fight back. Yeah, well, I think you're barking up the right tree, uh, although they may still need some humans to design and maintain and run their factories that produce the stuff that keeps them living in luxury. And they'll need people to build their houses and to build their cars and their Learjets and all that kind of stuff. And so if they kill everybody off too quickly and they don't have people under mind control enough, all of the chaos 
as people are dying off by whatever means would presumably lead to a loss of control. And this elite would tend to lose its control over the people who uh, who guard them, provide their security, who build them their Learjets and their houses and everything else that they use and grow them their food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So one would think that they would want to stay in control to some extent during that population drawdown. And, you know, it, it just occurred, occurred to me, Joaquin, that if you wanted to come up with a plausible scenario for that Deagle.com number of 65 million Americans in 2025, so how could uh, how could we lose four out of five Americans or three out of four, whatever it is, by 2025. And like Russia, for example, would pretty much still be there. You know, they might lose a few, but hardly any. So, so it's not like there's some war where everybody's getting killed. It's like just the Americans who are leaving or disappearing. How could that possibly happen? And the, the way that jumps to mind, for me at least, is some kind of uh, EMF bomb, you know, perhaps mm -hmm. a war that led to the explosion of these uh, EMF-destroying nukes high in, in the atmosphere, taking out yeah. all the electronics for much of the country. And the U.S. is super dependent on technology. Our military is super dependent, and our uh, whole society is de entirely dependent on technology to keep running. And many other societies are less dependent. So if you had a war that ended up with these EMP pulse bombs going off, knocking out electronics, especially over the U.S., especially if someone were able to do that deniably, you might end up with that kind of situation where you'd have a huge population collapse because people would die because they've lost life support because their technology isn't there anymore. So anyway, that's just a thought. Not a particularly pleasant one, as much as I hate technology, uh, you know, St. Ted Kaczynski probably would cheer for that, but I'm not quite as, uh, as hard ass as he is. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, they've got a, a wide arsenal of, of uh, weapons of mass destruction that they're hurling at us, and that's just one more. Uh, yeah, an EMF over North America would, would take out uh, the United States. Uh, studies have said that within a year, uh, at least 90% of the population would be gone. Right. So there, and, and there's also the possibility, actually, of a solar flare doing the same thing. Apparently, if, if the sun burped or hiccuped in the way that it did uh, in the early 19th century and then again in the early 20th century, we would have essentially a, a huge you know, frying of our whole power grid and our electronics. Uh, so right. it could happen naturally, too. And if it happened naturally, it could disproportionately target different parts of the globe. So the wrong kind of solar hiccup could possibly uh, lead to a huge disaster in the U.S. as well. So these things are, are possible, um, you know, but but the thing is, people have been predicting the end of the world and these kinds of horrific disasters regularly uh, throughout so much of human history. And once in a while, they kind of come true, but most of the time they don't, right? Like the, uh, the cult leader who tells the cult, that, hey, come with me and we're all going to commit suicide and uh, and that's going to take, we're going to get beamed up to Comet Kahootek. Uh, and of course, the cold ends up dead and the rest of the world doesn't die, right? So anyway, I'm always a little skeptical just because the track record of these predictions of extreme doom uh, are such that, you know, the, the smart uh, person would, would 
bet on that not happening, at least in the near future. And let me throw out another possibility, you know. <laughs> I know that you... Okay. You, probably, and you, you only have a couple of minutes. <laughs> okay. You'll, you'll probably be skeptical about this, but I actually wrote... Uh, it got posted on Global Research, actually, but uh, I wrote about Nibiru. You must have heard about that. The oh, yeah, planet. I that theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's some people in NASA that, that actually took it very seriously. Uh, and... Uh, you know, so there's that possibility. You know, you know, and it's supposed to be like every twenty six thousand years. Where right, but why, why would that disproportionately hit the U.S.? Well, it wouldn't hit the U.S., but it's it's like mammoth. It's the size it's the size of Jupiter, and it's coming close to within the Earth's orbit here. It, it wreaks havoc on the Earth, and and they say that there's a cyclical kind of explosion, kind of depopulation. Uh, uh, the end of the dinosaurs and all of this kind of thing, they tie it in with a cyclical kind of, and there's a possibility that every 26,000 years, the Earth does go through, you know, the whole earthquake and, and, and volcanoes and all of this, where uh, loss of life and, and start yeah, and there's over. There's the whole little Zachariah Sitchin version of this that involves colonization right. from Nibiru and things like that. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, well could be, although Sitchin never really convinced me, uh, but I know some smart people who kind of believe that. I think Jim Mars kind of believed that. At least he wrote a book pretending to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he was good. I, I like uh, Mars's work. He, he, yeah, I don't he know was, how he did it. He, he was a financially successful conspiracy book writer. He sold huge numbers of copies and got mainstream publishers for conspiracy books. How the heck did he do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then there's Bill Cooper. Bill Cooper, look at, look at yeah. what he was prophesying, you know. Uh, and then they got rid of him, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's a warning to all of us uh, independent radio guys. <laughs> you get too close to the truth and predict 9-11 type stuff and who knows. So, uh, you know, if we're, if we're predicting anything that's actually going to happen, like if the Deagle scenario of 65 million Americans in 2025 is true, we could be on dangerous ground here. We could be uh, doing a Bill Cooper thing right now. Do you ever think of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, when I when I basically uh, decided, you know, I'm going to write the, the book on, on pedophilia, I, I, I knew that uh, I'm on shaky ground, you know, with the challenging. Yeah, you're going to make some enemies, topic. especially if yeah, you get some attention. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, it's like basically accept, OK, you know, I have to I have to be true to myself and and, and basically help educated and informed the world about what in you know with a lot of research what i think is actually the truth as a warning hey john why did he add hey what's going on hold on hold on Or by going to truthjihad.com and clicking on the radio schedule link and finding right up to today's show. So thank you, Dr. Lopian. We'll talk to you again. Thank you, Father. Okay, yeah. God bless you. Have a great week.